Grab your Bibles, go with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 is where we're at. While you're going there, I want to remind you of uh, the men's conference coming up. Men's conference on the September 26th. Men, you need to be there. Wives, sign your men up. Moms, sign your sons up. Let's do this, all right? Let's go. It's going to be great. It's $20 for an adult. It's $10 for a student. So if you're a student of any type of student, uh, sign up and, and be there. September 26th is going to be great. Some good guys will be preaching with me. All right, we're in a series called On Mission Together, looking at the purposes of the church. And we're grounding all these in Acts chapter 2. The first week, uh, we talked about the importance of exalting God. So if you were to just build a frame for what I want to communicate in this series, while we're largely usually going through books of the Bible, every now and then we'll do some topical series. And so uh, in this series, my, my heart is to help us see that there is a foundation on which we're standing on called the, like biblical theology, a theological understanding of the Bible where uh, the foundation of our lives are built on an understanding that God's word is God's word, that God created the world, these biblical, these doctrinal truths that we're standing on. And this is the foundation of the Christian life. And then on top of that, if you were to consider a church building with pillars, think about six pillars that are building on top of a strong foundation. Pillar one was exalting God, that our mission together is to exalt God with our lives daily. We talked about exalting God. Last week, Chris talked about sort of the second pillar or second column. We're on the church is on mission together to encounter God through spiritual disciplines that, yes, we are privately, publicly worshiping God together and as we go, but we're encountering God privately when you're spending time with him in the word with his spirit in you. Chris talked about how Moses met with God in the fire. Well, today we have that same fire in us always in the Holy Spirit. God is present with us. And so when we meet with him daily in his word and in prayer, it's very valuable to who we are. And so we are to encounter God privately, but also publicly when we come together, when you hear stories of people trusting Jesus in this room, being baptized, when God convicts you of sin in a, in a sermon and moves in your heart, you get the point. And then today we're looking at this call to edify others through Christian discipleship. To edify others through Christian discipleship. So we'll look at Acts 2. We'll dive into one of those verses and we'll continue. Here we go. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. This whole series grounded in this text. Let's read it again. So those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostle teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. So, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And there they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with gladness, with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for your word. We read it aloud today because we know in it there's so much you have to teach us about you, about what you want and desire for your church, for your people, and Lord, what you desire to do through us, through your spirit, God. Teach us today. In your name we pray. Amen. One of these key words that I want to look at, these key verses from this text today, is really verse, uh, let's go to verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. 
Teaching is really important, isn't it? I mean, every one of us, most of what we do today was taught to us. I mean, some of us are outliers who are just really self-taught in a lot of areas. But like, I can change a tire and I can change my oil because my dad taught me how to do it. I can speak English because I was, I was taught how to do it. I can type because I sat in that stinking typing class, typing A 14 times and reaching to like an F somewhere. But I did it all through middle school because I was taught how to type. Teaching is vital to our life. We cook because someone taught us or, or, or we read instructions. We, we are taught to do certain things. And, and this is a good thing. And here the, the disciples are saying that they're listening to the apostles teaching. As the church, we're called to teach others things of God. We're called to teach others how to walk with God, helping them understand the Bible, getting them connected to a church, helping them walk in obedience. This is what we call discipleship, teaching others to be like Jesus. If you think, take that word disciple, disciple is to be a learner. That's what that means. Jesus comes along and calls 12 guys to follow him as his learners. Discipleship is defined, you could define discipleship as a person who is a pupil or adherent to the doctrines of another, one who embraces and assists in spreading the teaching of another. Discipleship is teaching others the faith, teaching others what we believe and why we believe it, how to walk with Jesus. And Jesus invests all of his time in these 12 guys for three years with the whole goal of upon his death and resurrection and ascension, they would be prepared to go do likewise. I mean, Jesus even says in John 14 that, that those who do as he does will have the ability to do more than he did. Like you and I have the ability to do more than Jesus himself did. What's he saying? He's talking about seeing people come to faith in Jesus, come into faith and salvation and going to be discipled. Like we can make more disciples than Jesus made. Jesus had 12, but you and I don't have just three years. If we may have 10 years or 15 years or 30 years or 50 years. And that command to equip others, to edify others in discipleship matters so much. This is why my point in, in saying all this is that when we edify others through discipleship, we model how Jesus lived and fulfill that major command Jesus gave us. That word edify, to edify someone, means to instruct or improve, especially in moral and religious knowledge, to build, to establish, to construct. What is the type of instructing we're to be doing? What is the type, the type of building up that we are to be doing as Christians? We are to be instructing people about the gospel, sharing the gospel with others, inviting them to believe it, and then teaching them the scriptures. And what is good doctrine? And who is God? And what is God like? And what are some characteristics of God? Is he only just angry all the time? and just, Or is he loving? And is he full of love? Is he, is he, what, what are those attributes of God? We're to be teaching others how to walk with God and what we know about who God is and what he came to do and what his mission is. We are to know what it means to be a Christian and be prepared to walk as Christians in a hostile world. We're to be as 1 Peter 3.15 says, we're called to honor Christ the Lord as holy, 
always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Now, if we're being honest in this room, I wonder how many of us don't feel like we're very grounded in our faith. We don't feel as though we are grounded in our beliefs of the gospel. That if we were asked tomorrow that we could be ready to share, ready to just give it my all. And, and if someone asks, what's God like? I can talk about his attributes and I can talk about all there is to know about he is all knowing and all seeing. And I can just, no, honestly, many of us feel maybe deficient in our abilities to, to do these things. Maybe you're here today and you, and you feel like you don't have confidence in your own salvation. You're spiritually inept. Maybe you struggle to read your Bible yourself. You just don't get it. And quite honestly, when people start talking about theological words, you're like, what? Like justification, sanctification, glorification, what are the other ifications there are? Like you just kind of sort of get lost. You're like, I don't even know where to begin. You know, you believe God, but any questions about him, you really struggle to answer. Why is it so many of us feel so unprepared to share our faith? unsure of what we believe and why we believe it and unable to communicate the core beliefs of our faith. You see, when your faith is not grounded, like grounded on a solid foundation of truth, then when the winds of culture change and blow, if you're not grounded in what you believe and why you believe it, then you're going to be willing to like move. You're going to be willing to grow because you're like, I don't want to, I don't want people not to like me. So surely I can hold these things and do this. That's why doctrine is so important for us to be grounded. Not only that, Jesus spends three years teaching his disciples on how to walk and what to believe and why to believe it so that when the time came for Jesus to, to be murdered and to raise and to ascend, they're sitting there staring and the angel's like, hey, why are you all waiting? Get to it. And they're like, I guess now's the time. Here we go. How in the world are we supposed to help others establish their lives on a solid ground. Jesus talks about this in Matthew 7. He says, everyone, who, uh, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who, th then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise... I already read that one, didn't I? Sorry. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Two people, two houses, two foundations, rock and sand. Both of them hear the words of Jesus, but only one of them obeys it. Only one of them takes it to heart. Only one of them takes it in, into their life and says, this is where I'm going to build my future, my money, my su success, my, my measurements for my goals. All of that stuff is grounded on the solid rock of Christ and God's kingdom. And everything else is going to leave us high and dry if we don't obey it. So if we believe that this to be true, that Jesus says his words are the rock, that we must be building up our lives and the lives of others on his word so that they can not just hear and believe, but go and obey. We're called to be these things. How then do we help others establish a firm foundation by building up their trust in God's word 
through discipleship. I sometimes ask this question. Can a person come to faith in Jesus, live a Christian life, and die, yet never lead anyone to Jesus, and never make a disciple? Can that person go to heaven? I mean, if the Jesus comes to make disciples, if the Great Commission is about disciple-making, if he makes disciples and he tells them to make disciples and the whole New Testament church is making disciples, can we come to faith in Jesus, grow up and make it to heaven without ever sharing our faith or leading someone to Jesus or making a disciple? Well, the answer to that would be, yes, you can. I mean, the thief on the cross gave his life to Jesus and Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. I hear of deathbed salvations. Yes, you can. Those things are all, so the answer is yes. But the normative Christian life is for someone to share their faith and, or to make a disciple inside the local church or to make a disciple in their own family or someone else. Someone else. We're to be about disciple making because spiritual maturity is so, so valuable. The Bible is very clear about the importance of each one of us, our own growth spiritually and the spiritual growth of others. Consider 2 Peter 3.18, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 2, 2, like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. Hebrews 6, 1, therefore let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. Colossians 2, 6 through 7, therefore as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, is that word taught again, abounding in thanksgiving. So spiritual maturity is to be the goal of the believer's life. And as a church and as your pastor or one of your pastors, we have a responsibility to facilitate real avenues towards spiritual growth in our church. We take this very seriously. Your growth as a Christian is our priority. And the growth of each other in this body, if you're a member here, is to be all of our responsibility. This is why we have tried to put in place effective pathways toward discipleship at Christ Community. And we'll get to those in a few minutes. Because we believe that spiritual growth, that discipleship is very, very important. Think about what Jesus said. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Right? Follow me, discipleship. Evangelism, I'll make you fishers of men. We told his disciples. And they grew up and they grew with him. And they did that. They followed him, and that was hard. Like they wrestled with hard truths, and they sometimes failed. And then eventually they went and became fishers of men. They made other disciples. You take the Great Commission, for instance, Matthew 18, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, he tells his disciples. And I love this scene. It's like he huddles them up, like a football huddle. He's like, All right, guys, I'm, I've died. I've raised to life. I'm about to ascend to heaven. But before I go, listen. All authority has been given to me, and I'm going to give it to you now. He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He promises his spirit to go with them. And this is what we've been empowered to live out, this great commission to edify others through discipleship. Consider the Great Commission. I really want you to, I want you to ask you, yourself, where, where am I in the Great Commission? There's really four people we find in the Great Commission. Where are you at? See if you can find yourself. 
You have the non-believer, the person who does not believe. That's why we go. You have the believer, the one who believes the gospel. Then you have the disciple, and then you have the disciple maker. Four people in the Great Commission. Where are you? The non-believer doesn't believe the gospel. Maybe he's lost. He doesn't know the gospel. He's never been saved. The Spirit of God does not live in him because of salvation, not been converted. A believer now is someone who believes the gospel. He hears the gospel message that we are sinners separated from God because of how we were born. We're born into this world as sinners. God is holy. We are not. We are separated by our sin and, and so we're broken. But God made a way for the sinners to be reconciled to God through sending his son Jesus. Jesus lived a perfect life, died a, an awful death, bearing on him the, the weight of our sin. And three days later, he raises from the grave and he holds out forgiveness and life for everyone who would trust in him. And so you have someone who believes. It looks just like believes. That's exactly what it says, believes. You have the, the disciple. This person is someone who believes and says he is baptized. His first step of obedience is baptism. Those are baptized. And it says when they're teaching them to observe. So part of discipleship is teaching the word of God to others, teaching them to observe it. And so we'll just say obedience here. They are called to obedience. That looks, yeah, perfect. Obedience. And so you have the picture here of a disciple of someone who believes, is baptized, is now obeying the scriptures and they know what they believe and why they believe it. And then the disciple maker is someone who obviously does all this in the lives of others. That's an arrow. Um, I'll put others. So you know what we're doing here. There we go. Others. He, he actually makes other disciples. They feel confident enough to go, okay, I'm going to live out this life. This person is maybe sharing the gospel and, and someone comes to faith in Jesus and he says, all right, hey, listen, you just trusted Jesus. I'll, I'm going to start meeting with you for, for a few weeks. We're going to start, start talking together and they start building. Here's the question. Where are you at in this? Where are you at in this? See, discipleship is the single most important strategy that every church should have a process for. A church is only as strong as their discipleship process is. Numerical growth in a church doesn't matter if that church isn't, if the people in that church aren't being transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit and the preaching and teaching of God's Word and aren't being edified by God's people through Christian discipleship. You take this picture here and you ask, where are you? I think a lot of people feel like they're here, trying to go here, and that jump is so hard for them. But, but here's the problem with, I think, the last 50 years, maybe longer, 75 years. I think there was this big move of evangelism <clears throat> that wasn't followed up with discipleship. You got the Billy Graham movement, which I'm a Billy, Billy Graham guy here, hero of the faith. I'm not swatting Billy Graham. I'm just saying, there's a bunch of evangelism going on in churches. And the answer to that, when people come to, come to faith in Jesus was, all right, hop in Sunday school, attend church, listen to people teach the Bible. Good luck figuring it out. So you did. You're like, okay, I'm just going to start going to church. And here I am in church. And I'm sitting there hearing a guy preach. And he's like, oh, okay, cool. And I'm getting my Bible. And I'm like, I don't know where to start. So I'm going to start in Leviticus, terrible place to start. 
And you're like, why are all these people, like, why, are, why are all these animals getting killed? Like, what's going on here? Like, why are they counting so much? And numbers, like, what's happening? And you're like, I don't even know what, but, okay, we'll try somewhere else. And so I go to Job. Man, this guy, Job, well, he's screwed up. And you're like, you have no clue what to do. And so you're like, I, I guess I'm going to open up randomly. And you're like, I guess I'm going to pray. And you say some prayers. And you're like, thank God for this food and my life. And amen. And, and so like, you, you're trying, but you've never had a discipleship relationship with someone who's sitting there edifying you, building you up, instructing you in the faith. So what I think the issue is, I think a lot of people, while they think they're here and their pastor's like, why don't you go make disciples? Go share the gospel. And you're like, I don't know what to do. I think a ton of people are stuck right here. I think there's a lot of people who believed, and maybe you were baptized. You believed and you were baptized, but no one's taught you to obey. No one's taught you good doctrine. No one, no one has helped you see a bigger, grander view of who God is and what God calls us to. And quite honestly, you just need some good discipleship to grow. Because it's not like our church longs for people not to know Jesus. I mean, many of us want to know people to know Jesus. You've been praying for your uncle, your aunt, or your cousin, or your friend, or your neighbor, or your coworker to know Jesus. And you're trying it, but you just don't know exactly how to communicate it. See, our mission at Christ Community is to help people grow up. To not stay elementary, but to grow into maturity. This is why our mission statement is making gospel-centered disciples among all people for the glory of God. We're called to this. This is foundational to what it means to be a Christian. And I want to, I really want to encourage us to consider where you are and the reason to move into discipleship. Let me give you quickly, and now don't be distracted by this number at 1157. Eight ways, we're going to go real fast. Eight ways discipleship edifies others in Christian maturity. Number one, Discipleship ensures, it's a bunch of E's, ensures a believer understands good doctrine. Doctrine means belief or set of beliefs held or taught by a church. Doctrine is important for knowing what you believe and why you believe it. We need a good biblical foundation. It's important to know both in, uh, it's important to grow both in the knowledge of God, yes, the knowledge of who God is, but also in knowing God. God wants you to know Him in the Scriptures. He wants you to know doctrine. We're all called to be little theologians. And that's a good thing. Number two, discipleship enlarges a believer's view of God. When you walked in here this, this morning, <clears throat> how was your view of God? Did you think, oh, it's Sunday again, time to go to church? Or did you think, man, I get to step into this body of believers who've been saved by the God of the universe who we were once separated from because of our sin. But throughout each of our lives and our stories, God worked to bring us to salvation in him. And he's called us to gather his, his people who will be together for eternity. And we get to do a little picture today of what we will do there because the glorious redemption God has purchased for us in Christ Jesus. Holy, holy, holy is your name, God. This is what we get to do together. It enlarges our view of who God is, the breadth of God and the width of him. Number three, discipleship enriches a believer's trust in God's word. More time in the scriptures and more time in reading and understanding and applying it and chewing on it with other brothers or sisters in Christ means greater trust in God's promises. 
When you begin to see a, a framework of missions in the Bible, it fuels your desire. When you begin to see a framework of God's promises in Old Testament made new later on in the New Testament, it makes you go, I can count on him. He will not let his people fail. I can trust in God no matter the season, no matter how the job's doing, how the market's doing, how health is doing, I can trust in him. Number four, discipleship endears a believer to God's love for them. It endears us to God's love for them. You cannot read read God's word and ignore the marvelous love of God displayed in his sending of his only son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sin. God's love for you is seen at the cross, that central icon, that central symbol that stands as the entryway for us to know him. That our Savior, God's only Son, that while we were sinners, God sent him to die on that cross, to bear the weight of our sin, and three days later to raise from the grave, to hold out salvation for anyone who comes. If you find yourself lost today, if you find yourself in the non-believer camp today, you can have eternal life if you would come to Jesus by faith, like I did. Because the love of God is seen there. Number five, discipleship enrages a believer's hatred of sin. It enrages our hatred of sin. We cannot both love God and love sin. We must hate sin if we're going to love God. Sin is the reason we're once separated from God. And so, therefore, the Christian life is one of going, how do I hate sin more? Well, one, reason, one way we hate sin more is when we, when we sin we get convicted and we're like frustrated that we failed again. And we're like, gosh, why do I keep doing the stinking things I keep doing? And, it, and this is why we need accountability and why we need encouragement, why we need edification, because we want to hate sin and love God more. And this is the Christian life is all about loving God more, hating sin more. Number six, discipleship enables a believer to love and forgive others. If God loved us in our sin and now has forgiven us for our sin, then who are we to withhold love and forgiveness from someone else? Even those who hurt us deeply and and, uh, awfully. If God can forgive us for what we did against him in our own sin, then who are we to withhold forgiveness and love to others? You don't know those things unless you dive into the word. You begin chewing and learning and knowing it. Number seven, discipleship inflames a a believer's love for the nations. The Bible is a book of missions. The church exists for mission. God is redeeming people from every tongue, tribe, and nation back to him. We today sit here as those who did not know Christ, but now we do. Originally, this thing was for Jews only until we get to the new covenant in Jesus, and now it's for anyone that would come to him by faith. The only reason that we have it today in whatever ethnicity you are is because the gospel came to you. And right now there are people sitting all across the globe who God says some people from each tribe and tongue and nation will be among that throne one day with us. So until they hear, he ain't coming back. So we got to go tell them. And we're working on a strategy for that. Drew's working on a strategy for us adopting an unreached people group so that we might make a dent in that because we believe that missions matters and so do the nations and God's heart is for the nations and so we want to be developing a love for the nations to know the name of Jesus and then number eight discipleship enforces the call to edify others through discipleship we understand the great commission and our responsibility as disciples we understand that 
Disciple making belongs to us. It's not something that the church corporately does for us. It's something we all do. See, I got through all eight of those in, in five minutes. See how easy that was? We're called to disciple making. We're called to this together. Why is our duty to edify others so important? Well, let's go back to Matthew chapter 7. I won't go there because it's not working. It's okay. Matthew 7, Jesus warns us that the gate is, that there is, a, there is a wide gate that leads to destruction. And there's a narrow gate that leads to life. And those of us who've put our lives in Christ, standing on his word, know the way to that gate of life. And we are called to now share others how to get there and walk on that path. But then he keeps going in Matthew 7 and he warns those who are listening, those who were trying to justify their relationship with God by their works. And Jesus says, no, no, no. There'll be some of you who said, did not do all these things in, in your name, Jesus. Um, but he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. But he'll welcome those who live and obedient to his father's commands. We are to be obedient believers, obedient disciples. We're called to edify others in evangelism, discipleship, to make sure that others get there with us. This is our call. This is what the whole of the New Testament is about, making disciples to the local church. Are we doing that? Here's an invitation for you today. At Christ Community, we have discipleship process in place, easy first steps for you to make. Wherever you find yourself on that list there, if you're a non-believer today, the step is easy. Give your life to Jesus today. We have a, a response card in front of you that looks like this. And if you want to know more information on how to become a believer, if you'll just simply say on, on that prayer list on the back of there, just write your name and email and let us know. I want to talk to someone about Jesus. Just check that box. Let us know. We want to talk to you about it. If you're a believer today, you're going, okay, how do I be discipled? Maybe you've never been baptized. Hey, you saw three people baptized today. You can be baptized today. After this service, talk, uh, go to Next Steps or catch one of our pastors. We'll talk to you right now. We'll get you baptized. That's the first step of obedience. If you want to grow in your faith, we have avenues for that. Let me tell you a few ways. Here's five ways for you to begin the discipleship process at Christ Community. The first one is Growth Track. Growth Track is our membership class. It is, a, it is um, there to help you get a quick look into what we believe, why we believe it, foundation of who we are as a church, to know God, to find community, to fulfill your calling here, to make disciples. We have a growth track one day right after this, right up there. You can join that. Growth track, or you can come in October. Growth track is your first step. Secondly, we have Christ Community Institute. It's a two-year journey to discover the depths of our faith in scriptures and the breadth of our mission in the world. Institute starts tonight. It's a two-year journey. We're looking at who God is, and all these things on theological, uh, uh, just all kinds of different theological things. And so I want to encourage you, if that's something you want to do, dive into Institute. A large portion of you need to take the first step into a community group. Community group is where you gather with other believers to discuss the scriptures together, to enjoy fellowship together, to get to know one another, to find out what we believe and why we believe it. It's a good spot to, st to step into. Any of these, you can grab one of our communication cards. Fill it out. Let us know. The fourth way, D groups. Each year, we begin gender-specific discipleship groups of three to five people meeting together weekly to discuss their Bible reading 
pray for one another, struggles, and, uh, and get questions answered from those who are more mature in their faith. If you want to lead that, if you want to lead one of those, if you feel like you're mature in your faith, great. If you're someone who wants to have every question you answered, uh, answered you have, go see one of those. Our, our D group leaders are phenomenal. Just the first question you should ask them is, why does God do bad things to good people? They'll be glad to answer that question for you. I'm just kidding. I'm just saying there are ways for you to step forward here. And so what is the step God needs you to take? What's the step that God's inviting you to take today? We want you to grow because when we grow together, this means that our church is stronger to make disciples into the future. Jesus prays for more workers to go into the harvest. We don't have a harvest issue a harvest problem, we have a worker problem. And the stronger we can be, be as disciples who can make disciples, the more people we'll see coming to faith in Jesus. The more we'll see our church growing up into maturity. The more we'll be able to plant future churches and send future missionaries and train future pastors. Because this is something that God wants to use you to be a part of. Let's pray together. Lord, as we conclude this morning, we thank you for this call to disciple-making. We thank you for this entry into salvation that you've given us through Jesus. We thank you that we belong to you. Help us to live it out. Help us to grow up into maturity. Help us to seek to edify others through discipleship. This is not just something that our pastors are called to, but the members of this church are called to, Lord. So I pray that you would help us not to be afraid or overwhelmed by that, but to know that we can do so in the power of your spirit with your holy word before us. God, help us to be strengthened, to look past maybe our inadequacies or insecurities. Would you, by your spirit, strengthen us to believe that it is you in us that gives us the power to do these things. God, I pray that you'd help those here today, whatever steps that they are believing they, that need to be taken, I pray you give them confidence to do so. Even those watching online today, would you give us confidence to take steps forward in our own growth and in the growth of others. Thank you for this firm foundation we stand on, the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it's in his name that we worship and pray.